Class Podcast. That's this show. Those are like bells, like church bells are going off. It's like fucking VD Day over here. Wait, VE Day. VD Day? <laughs> It's we like I cured, I cured my VD day. Uh, this is the internet's first and foremost Star Trek podcast, as long as you don't have access to Google. And I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm Josh, and we are the best one. We are. I, I don't yeah. listen to any Star Trek podcasts, including this one. So I, I don't listen to this one, one either, and I edit it. So I mean, uh oh, uh oh, glad he's on our side. <laughs> <laughs> we sit down every two weeks with a piece of Star Trek media. We pick it apart and we tell you our thoughts and our feelings about it. Yes. Exactly those two. Just those two things. We make a lot of VD jokes. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. There's like a like a like a ticker that like checks off how many VD jokes. We're at one. In case you're counting at home at the at the with the home game. There's a, a little timer and a gun pointed at us, and if it gets to zero without us making a VD joke, we're done. So shoots us. But our faces just get all cartoony, black, like with like charcoal. <laughs> it doesn't really like kill us. Like and it a goes gun. Wah, wah, wah. Um, trombone, the saddest <laughs> instrument. On the, this week's episode of M Class Podcast, we're going to be talking about Voyager season five, episode eleven, latent image. Before you turn the podcast off, <laughs> this is an actual good one. Yeah, this one was pretty good. I, I watched this one recently, actually, and I don't know why. But I, I had seen it, uh, it might have been on, like, television, and I might have been ew, somewhere where it was ew. on, like, in a hotel or something, because, like, I think uh, 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 BBC America plays Voyager, I think. That's not don't. British or broadcasting. <laughs> no, they don't care, though. No, they play whatever. They're just like, we have this, we're gonna play it. Uh, Jason from our M-Class Discord told me this episode was good, and I said I would shit all over him if it turned out to be bad, so you're safe this time, Jason. Uh, save from the, <laughs> the dookie. Late Image, as it turns out, is a Star Trek episode with uh, two morals to it, a, an in-your-face moral, a philosophical debate, and a moral that you can take to the bank in your day-to-day -day life that we'll get into further into the episode. What's the second one? The second one is about allowing your friends to process their grief and right. just being there yes. for them. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The first one is all about like the nature of individualism. It's very uh Asimov-y. This episode is very reminiscent of Isaac Asimov yeah. story. And if you that take... I'll talk about Oh, cool. I can't wait to get to that, but like yeah. as you like watch this episode as a single entity it works very well it's really good taken yeah. in the whole of voyager there are some problems the for, the first and foremost being that by this point they had already started treating the doctor like he was a person like yeah, they had this already been gone a, through good, this whole he's not a person he's a hologram right thing. this would have been a good like season two season one maybe yeah problem but, but that's very minor like the continuity yeah. of these shows especially voyager isn't particularly important it's not like deep space nine or enterprise where the continuity really matters to it yeah Enter enterprise yeah it's more like tng but like 
it, it kind of matters because you you would think that it would matter more since they're traveling in a in a line, right? Like there needs to be logical sense there because they oh, need yeah. they need to get closer to Earth. I mean, but it's like almost like they didn't really care about that. <laughs> Like they were just like well, it's not whatever. almost like that. It is like that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They're just somewhere, right? Like who knows? Well, it's like this show. This series had uh, had like the potential to be like a Battlestar Galactica style series. Yeah, where and this the episode would have really matters. Yeah, this episode would have reminded me of that too, where it's just this very like like. Like our our equipment is breaking, and that's like a big thing in Battlestar Galactica, Jeff. As you know, because you've watched well, of course, it so I've much. Watched, I've watched all seventeen episodes. Yeah, there it is. That's how many there are. Um, but like towards the end of the show, like their ship is just trash. Like they're just like it's broken. Everything's breaking, and that's kind of like what this is sort of like, but not really. No, everything gets fixed by the next episode. So it doesn't yeah, because really right, because it's fine now. <laughs> Even the doctor's just fine now. Yeah, he's fine. That doesn't he's get brought up fine. ever again that he killed somebody. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I feel like the doctor has used a phaser up to this point, so he's, like, directly killed someone, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that is that is true. Like, I'm sure he's, like, mur- like not murdered, but, like, oh, defended we've all himself. Murdered, right? Like, it's fine. Yeah. They're just weird <laughs> aliens. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> That's how Batman's morality works. Have you ever read a Batman comic where he goes up against, like, an alien or a monster or something? He kills the fuck out of those guys. Did he kill the Predator when he fought the Predator? Yeah, he does kill the Predator. Does he hit him with a bat? Does he beat him with a baseball bat? I don't remember. There are, like, 800 crossover comics with Batman Alien, Batman Predator, Batman... I know there's... I know (laughs) Batman Joe Pesci. (laughs) He kills Joe Pesci, too. He's like, you're not human! He beats him with a bat? That's fucked up. Fucking I know there's Predator Riverdale. <laughs> Dude, my favorite Riverdale crossover is uh, Archie meets the Punisher. The Punisher, yeah, yeah, Where there's yeah. a super criminal murderer who looks just like Archie, but he has an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the show, dude. It's like the fucking show. They need to do that crossover. Oh Have my like, God. the Netflix Punisher beyond Riverdale. Zane and I were talking about a Sabrina, or, yeah, Sabrina Riverdale crossover because like that would—it's obviously like oh, they're yeah, the they same need universe. To do that for sure. And I was like, why isn't it like a Scooby Doo episode where they they go to to uh, uh, I forget the name of the town that Sabrina's oh, in, but they go to her shit. town, Greendale. Green. They go to Greendale, yeah. and <laughs> it's just like spooky, like like real spooky shits going on, and they gotta <laughs> solve the mystery. I was like, man. And then I was like, what if Speed Buggy was there? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, you made the perfect maybe like they go past a there's like a in one of the warlocks like mansions or something, there's like a fucking giant water tank that has a shark in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and every they, time it, like they're super scared of the shark every time it swims by. But then in the distance you just hear near 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 <laughs> or one, of, or the warlock says like, "Oh, that's just Jabberjaw." That's like just, it's just it's a just reference my, to it. It's yeah. just my pet, my pet shark, Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw, and he winks at the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh I love Hannah watched... Barbera was just like, just give him a voice of a celebrity that already exists. Who cares? <laughs> Dude, it's the seventies. Yeah, they were just like rip everything off. <laughs> Rip Fuck yourself it. off. Do a million matter. Scooby-Doo's. What if we had a Jabberjaw, but he was a car? 
<laughs> uh, pitch it. Yep, Dude, I would it. love to know the meetings that happened to Hanna-Barbera. All right, we need another cartoon. We got... Uh, this sco- one's Scooby-Doo, but the dog's a car. <laughs> yeah, pitch it. All right, what's next? This one's Scooby-Doo, except it's underwater. How does the dog breathe? Uh, he's it's a, a shark. shark. <laughs> Dude. What's he sound like? Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> I know who that is. Green light. <laughs> We've already started, sir. Don't worry. <laughs> we already got 20 episodes done. It took In the us can. The afternoon. <laughs> we just reskinned Shaggy. We only had to animate two things today. He's got goggles now and a racing suit. There's a Shaggy in every show, and like yeah. there's a there's a Fred in every show too. He just has different hair color. Yeah, because Fred was, like, the jock, right? Yeah, he had that, like, dumb muscular build with, like, bell bottoms, and there's one of those in every show. Yeah, there's not uh, not a Velma in every show, because, like, you can't replicate that ass. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back on Scooby-Doo, it's really weird that we all took to Velma, because they don't draw her like she's supposed to be sexy at all. They spent all their time on Daphne for that. Her style became sexy, though. Yeah. Like, that Suicide Girl-esque, like, schoolgirl outfit-y kind of sexy. You know what I mean? Like, that that's kind of sexy. Stop, I can only get so erect. Look, um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, I go into this thing, I just take, like, two fucking Viagra before every episode, so. <laughs> Gotta stay turgid. Yeah, turgid. So <laughs> it comes back. Everything comes back. Ugh, this uh, episode was written by uh, Eileen Connors, who wrote nothing else dealing with Star Trek. Uh, Brandon Braga go. and uh, Joe Minoski. Uh, huh. jo- Joe Minoski wrote um, fifty-seven episodes of Star Trek. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Thirty-six of Voyager, four of Deep Space Nine, and sixteen of TNG. Uh, one of Discovery, which wasn't a good one. So yeah, Letha, Let Lathe. I don't know that one. Lathe. Yeah, he's first season. Uh, I saw it. So he's uh, yeah. Remembering is a different thing than seeing. Yeah, I don't I think. remember. I don't know which one it is. Let's read. Um, uh, Joe Minoski is a very hit or miss writer. Is what I learned from looking at the episodes he's written. That's unfortunate because he's written a lot of episodes. Yes. He wrote masks, Jeff. He wrote masks. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but he wrote Times Arrow 1 and 2. So also, I like that one. I know people don't like that. You don't like that one, do you? Uh, which one is Times Arrow? That's the when Data goes back in time with Lady Guy. No, I fucking love that one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I do too. I, just, did, I didn't know if he you did. He did write my second least favorite episode of TNG ever, Masks. And he also wrote Darmok, though. So like, like how the I fuck don't know. does that work? Like, he's I so know, hit or man. miss. Yeah, and he wrote First Contact, which is the the episode where Riker fucks that alien nurse. Yeah, he was real horned up on that one. Um, he he wrote a lot of good ones, except these Voyager ones are all pretty bad, except this one, I think. Um, it's I safe mean, to say, it's really hard to tell. Like Voyager is really you roll the dice and they are loaded against you. Yeah, they're loaded dice. <laughs> Although almost all of these he wrote with Brandon Braga, like like seventy five percent of them. Uh, remember that one episode where everyone gets small and they fly the ship up a vagina? Oh my god. Wait. Wait. Did he write Did he write did that Brandon one? Did Brandon Braga write the episode where they shrink in Deep Space oh. Nine? It's called the inc- what is it called? Incredible Shrinking Ship or something. Oh fuck. Holy uh, shit. DS9 ship gets shrunk. They're doing real internet detective work right now. 
One Little Ship, it's called. One Little uh, Ship. Uh, come on. Come on, come on, come on. No, Bradley Fuck. Thompson and David Weddle wrote it. No, Brandon Fuck. Braga. Brandon Braga was like breathing on their neck the whole time. <sighs> uh, what What happens next? Uh, does Jedzia, uh, does she maybe need them to fly up her vagina? <laughs> Does she have, like, some kind of medical thing where they need to go up there? Because I think we could do it. I think we need to push the boundaries of TV. And they're like, Braga, <laughs> put your pants back on. We just had a first lesbian kiss on the show. But what if we were the first to fly a ship up a pussy? <laughs> We'd uh, be heroes. We'd be my hero. <laughs> um, this episode was directed by Mike Vahar, who you might remember was named nicknamed Vaharder and Vaharder for his willingness to put in long hours shooting and not for his ability that's, to just fuck good. Yeah, that's definitely why. That's one of those, like, that's why we called him that. Yeah, we, we call him Vaharder because yeah. not because of his penis. Because he works hard, not because of the fucking. <laughs> He's... He works hard and he fucks the whole crew before he goes home. He's really good. <laughs> that Simpsons episode when they go to the steel mill. We work hard and play harder. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking CNC Music Factory starts playing. Uh, I miss the Music Factory. When are they coming back? <laughs> Remember that video? That video used to be on. I mean, every every oh, yeah. half hour they were playing that video and on MTV. Everybody did dance now. When it everybody out. dance now. Goddamn. <laughs> Is there a more like 1992 thing than that song? No. It's pretty. It's Alf pretty trying to make a comeback and failing. That's pretty 1992. <laughs> um. So this episode, uh, as we as we've discussed a little bit already, is uh like a morality tale. It's like a it. It's not a morality tale. It's like a philosophical discussion between characters where, um. You may have noticed this is um, the second-to-last episode of the Captain's Failing Collection that Rich Masters gave us. Thank you for giving us a good Voyager episode, Rich. Yeah, I, I remembered halfway through the episode that Rich picked these, and I was like, oh, he picked this because it's good. Yes, thank you so much. You could have <laughs> yeah. punished us, but you did not. We appreciate that. Even though we deserve it. <laughs> oh, we're bad boys. Um, I wish somebody would fly a ship up my pussy. <laughs> I, I did, like, the fucking blinking man gif without even meaning to. <laughs> You're like, what, 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 what? Excuse me? What? Wait, excuse me? Um, <laughs> learning about Josh today. Um, <laughs> this is it, this is obviously in the Captain's Failing Collection because, goddamn, Janeway is just a, a bastard in this episode. <laughs> yeah, she stinks, but, like, I was thinking about it, and, you know, before we get into it, like... She, it could have been worse, right? Like there, there would have been a captain in this situation who would have been like, you know what? He's just a fucking machine. Reset this asshole. Like, don't even give him the choice. Like, just reset him back to the factory That's standards. What, that is you know what, what I mean? she was gonna do until like uh, seven of nine came in and was like, you know, I'm part robot. You, ro yeah. you robust. You robot. Fucking racist. <laughs> you robo racist. And she was like, wait. Am I a robo racist? And that's and where she out, grows as a character. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. She does this a couple of times, and uh, I I don't know. I feel like with her, maybe it's like Kate Mulgrew is just really good at acting, which I think she is. Um, oh yeah, she is. She's really great. Uh, 
but they 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 make Janeway a little more vulnerable like that, and maybe it's like because she's a woman and the first woman captain on the show or whatever. But like they make her very capable of like accepting change and very accepting of like she may be made a mistake. And I I mean Picard's like that too. So that's not Picard, I don't know if that's a fair Picard statement. Picard does take like it took like five people talking to him about Hugh maybe being a person yeah. before he was like maybe he is a person. Right, right. But with Janeway it's sort of like one one weird conversation yeah. and she's like, Alright. I like that she literally just like, oh seven of nine, fuck off. I'm trying to read a book. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, so Janeway in, in Voyager never sleeps, right? Like, she's awake no. at, like, four in the morning. It's like, don't you have duty in, like, two hours? Like, should you maybe sleep? She really fucks herself up, too, because she ends up getting, like, a high fever. And, the like, she pretty much yeah. gets the flu in the future, which is next to impossible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they could just, like, give her, like, a not a shot, the hyper spray shit, hypo spray, and just she'll be yeah. fine in, like, two hours. But, eh. When it's the future and, like, you know you're going to get cured, maybe getting the flu is kind of fun. Yeah, it's like, oh, I feel a little sick. Just kidding. Just kidding. feel fucking great. (laughs) This episode is emotional. Yeah. And it it makes you sort of confront how difficult it has to be to be a doctor in general and have people's lives sort of hang in the balance all the time. Yeah, there's that aspect to it. There's... There's a few things, and we'll talk about it, where I was like, well, why didn't they just do this? But I guess they hand wave it away, and it's it's okay, because, like, he's a person now. Yeah. Right? So like, that's conflicting with his other programming. Yeah, he, he makes a decision that's not based on logic or facts. It's based entirely on emotion, and it's right. not a decision that you want your doctor to make. No, it's... But there's some it's things that they could have done. <laughs> I think. There's things... Yeah, there's things that that the crew could have done, I think, to like maybe make this not a thing anymore or something. Like, well, Paris maybe get another holograph besides just standing there. Like, yeah, why? I mean, why didn't he just say, "Okay, well, we're gonna try it." Yeah, like try like, to, try to do it. Talk me through it, and we'll try it. It gives her a better yeah. chance of living. You know, right? There's better. Right, it's better than nothing. But right, it's. It's a conceit that the story has to make in order to create the tension, and yeah. like everything in a story is a conceit in one way or another, right? Right. It's all a, a magic trick. And the thing that comes to mind with this is like it's a lot like the um, superhero shared universe paradox mm-hmm. that everybody loves to bring up, like oh, Spider-Man's fucking fighting the the Mysterio man on the bridge and everybody's blowing up and dying. Where's the Avengers? Right, where are they? Right, yeah. But the conceit of the story is this is the fucking Spider-Man movie. They're not going to show up. <laughs> right, yeah. You, it can't always be... Yeah. That's a, that's a good point, though. Like, when you open up the world like that, not to get into the comic books, but when the world is, like, your playground, like the Avengers, right? Like, they're going from, like, Stuttgart to, like, fucking Russia to fucking yeah. back to New York... It's hard to, like, write that away and be like, they can't just show up anywhere they want. The thing is, the thing that works with, like, a team in that way that maybe doesn't work so well when you get to the individual level is that they're not hanging out together for the most part. Like, they don't spend all their time together. They just come together every now and then when a big threat threatens the world. Yeah, they're off doing their own, like, missions and And, shit, right? this is, like, a guy blowing up a bridge in one city. It's not, like, Thanos or, like, the alien invasion or whatever. Ultron. 
Yeah, remember Ultron? What a great villain. Yeah, that one was fun. He was the guy from The Practice. <laughs> he was the guy from Blacklist. <laughs> every every now and then, like, uh, Crystal and I watch Jeopardy all the time. And uh-huh. after Jeopardy comes on garbage, right? Yeah. And burn, not burn notice, fucking Blacklist comes on. And it just, it starts playing and it's like the worst B-movie you've ever seen until you realize it's the Blacklist. You're like, why is, is that? Why is ABC or, why is okay. CBS playing yeah. a fucking shitty 1990s B-movie right now? And you're like, oh, it's the Blacklist. Okay. You mean the cops, the cops broadcast station? Yes. The it's, uh, ACAB is what it should really be called. Yeah, f- <laughs> fucking uh, aren't cops great? Everybody That's loves that station. cops. Don't 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 you love these cop shows, boomers? <laughs> remember when you were the greatest generation and cops? Remember? That's what that station is. Remember when you were never the greatest generation because you'll never live up to your parents? <laughs> Suckers, idiots! <laughs> Way to be born in the fifties and sixties and early seventies, <laughs> dumbos. <laughs> Eat my dick. Eat my shorts. Like, you guys couldn't handle that when it came on. Remember? No, you man. Remember like, when oh, parents no. were? Your parents didn't let you watch it, right? No, my parents loved The Simpsons. Like, okay, okay. My, my mom hated The Simpsons for a long time. My mom is hilarious because she goes through these periods where she absolutely can't stand a show because yeah. it's against morals or whatever. Whatever. And then right. she just gets used to it and starts watching it and liking it. <laughs> yeah. My parents were never like that. They were just like, do whatever you want. My dad showed me like Lethal Weapon when I was like five years oh, that old. That movie's great. You forget about how <laughs> Mel Gibson really wants to kill himself throughout that movie though. Yeah. When, you, when you're thinking back on it and you're like, oh yeah, okay. I forgot. Yeah, he wants to jump off that roof and then shoot himself in the yeah. brain. You forget about <laughs> all that. But um, yeah. My mom watched. My dad loved The Simpsons, and my mom would be like, "This the kids are so rude on this show, and everyone's so mean." It's so weird. And that she that's would, like a she thought. got used to it and started liking The Simpsons. And then she felt that way about um, Married with Children. Right, right. She was Married like, with "This children, is yeah. awful." And then she started yeah. really liking Married with Children. That never happened with like South Park. She always hated it because the kids are cursing. Right. There's just certain there's certain lines that your mom will not cross. No, she will not allow kids to be cursing. That's yeah, no kids much. curse. No, that doesn't happen. Man, they shouldn't be doing that. Like my mom is one of those people that was like, "Oh, this SpongeBob cartoon is so stupid. Like you shouldn't wa- you shouldn't watch that because it's so dumb." I like how cartoons were like sacred to parents. Like cartoons have to be wholesome. Yeah. And- it's like, to, when were they ever? Not, like, like, when you know, the when fuck they were, were they ever? The 1930s. Like, yeah, like Steamboat fucking Willie, right? Like, when the 1940s uh, aside from that. rolled around, they were like, <laughs> fuck, fuck off, Porky. You're the sidekick yeah. now. We got Daffy yeah. Duck and Bugs Bunny now. Also, we're going to fucking shoot Hitler and shit. Yeah. Also, here's some fucking racism. <laughs> as much as you can handle. It's fucking fine now, so we're putting it in. Yeah, like the like the Looney Tunes cartoons were meant for adults. Like, you were supposed to watch yeah. them before yeah. movies. Right. That's why there's all kinds of references and shit to stuff that only adults would understand. Yeah, like Clark Gable's in there and the, shit. There's so like, many jokes about getting drafted or going to yeah, war or, like, for war it, for shit it. that was happening yeah, one at the a. time. <laughs> that no kid is gonna understand <laughs> but then again I watched that shit when I was a kid and I laughed my ass off and I didn't understand half of it 
Yeah. SpongeBob's kind of like that too. There's there's jokes in there, right, that are sort of like parent jokes. Oh yeah. Or like, like kids, kids. Parents song. are watching this with their kids. We got to give them something. To, yeah. Give them a little. Give them a cookie. Like my favorite SpongeBob episode is the one where he learns the dirty word on behind the Krusty Krab. It's like written on the side of a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> and they make a dolphin noise every time he says it. <laughs> every time he says it, yeah. <laughs> oh, that such a good, good We have not talked about this episode yet, and you know what? We won't until we come back from these messages. We'll be right back. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, at the touch of your fingertip, you can help protect your home from household germs and destructive mildew. New Lysol Spray Disinfectant, the pleasant way to eliminate germs, mildew, and the odors they cause, even in spotless homes. In the shower, for example, new Lysol effectively fights fungus that causes athlete's foot. Spray Lysol wherever germs and odors persist. Bathroom floor, empty laundry hamper. Lysol Spray is safe as your detergent, helps protect against germs in baby's crib, freshens empty diaper pails. Spray Lysol in the garbage can to control odor. Pet areas, spray Lysol in closets, basements, wherever there's destructive mold and mildew. In laboratory tests, Lysol action lasted seven days. Lysol spray refreshes the air with a new clean scent. Get Lysol spray, the fast, easy, effective way to destroy household germs, mildew, fungus, odors instantly. And we're back. Hopefully, uh, there's an ad in there. Fuck, I got need money. A real one. Please pay us. We'll read ads. I'll read whatever the fuck you want. I promise. I'll do, I'll do whatever you say, mister. <laughs> All right, so this episode of Voyager, it uh-huh. starts out with the doctor, and he's doing, um, he's like taking school photos of the whole uh, crew, except it's like a hollow imager. Right. It's going to show you from the skeleton up. Yeah, it's it's uh I at first I thought it was school photos too or like yeah. maybe he was doing like a this is a record of the crew over the years cuz it's going to take like 70 years for us to get home, right? Yeah, eventually the little redhead girl with the forehead bumps is going to be the fucking captain. Naomi Wildman. She's an STO. You can go talk to is her. She she was yeah. Reba McIntyre's daughter. On the show Reba. I think we all remember that show. My uh, Crystal, <laughs> I'm going to put Crystal on blast. She loves Reba. Yeah. yeah. The I show my, and the person. I don't know a lot about Reba. Have we said her name? McIntyre? McIntyre. <laughs> McIntyre, okay. I want to get names right. I know McIntyre. we get. McIntyre. I know we get uh, roasted <laughs> if we don't get names right. So I wanted to get that right. Um, But like. <laughs> Yeah, Naomi Wildman does this whole little gag that's supposed to be funny, but like it really made me think this episode wasn't going to be very good for a minute. <laughs> yeah, because Naomi's in it for one hot second. Why did Naomi Wildman show up to shoot this one scene and then just yeah. leave? Like, okay, fine, Naomi. She got her uh, child actor scale, which I'm sure is not regular scale. I think it's like free school. <laughs> I think like you get to go to school on the set, and that's like a service. So they're wow. like, that's your pay. That sounds like a god-awful schooling system. I, I don't think that's what it is, but <laughs> I know they do go to school on the set. I heard that they send you to school in space for real. Oh. 
Wow. So they send you up to the International Space Station, which I don't think existed yet. And no, it didn't. You get to go to school there. When did that open? I don't know. Um, so <laughs> fucking don't Google it. Um, Harry Kim shows up, and again, I was like, oh, God, this episode isn't going to be very good. It's <laughs> over two. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the doctor's hollow imager um, picks up the fact that Harry Kim has had surgery, neurological surgery. Right. And uh, the doctor developed this neurosurgery himself, which again, like if he's just a robot later, if they're just like, ah, he's just a computer, he developed a neurosurgery himself. Right. Like, He's a little bit more than just, like, a tool at this point. Because, like, if he was just, a, like, a scalpel holding machine, like, they could probably, like, invent, like, a little literal robot to do that, right? Yeah, like, exactly. th- this guy's, like, thinking and adapting and showing consciousness. Also, like, Moriarty happened, like, ten years ago, so... Yeah. Yeah. Don't they remember? Well, I thought about that too with data. Like why why aren't they like they could have referenced data and been like, "Well, what did Starfleet do with Commander Data?" Like wh- yeah. like and they, they could have been like, "Well, trial about this shit." Right. And they could have been like, "Well, that's different because like Starfleet didn't like create him like a, a person did, right? Like a, a civilian did." That's true. I mean, that would be a stretch and a half, but that would definitely yeah. be what they would do. It's like a flimsy sort of yeah. like defense, but uh, unfortunately for the doctor, he has um, his memory banks have no such record of the procedure, and Harry Kim tells him he does not remember having an operation. So what the fuck happened? The mystery. Yeah. So there's already a a mystery afoot. <laughs> <laughs> the game is afoot. Speaking of Moriarty, then Moriarty shows up and he's like, "It wasn't me," and then he goes he goes back to his low cue. <laughs> I didn't do it this time. Man, I miss Moriarty. What happened to that guy? <laughs> He's cube life, dude. I wonder if there's something you could listen to that would tell oh. you about what happened to Moriarty. I'm sure if you looked hard enough, you could find something. <laughs> Trek Kings. Anyway, um, <laughs> the doctor goes in, uh, to Janeway's ready room to do her physical examination, and he's real fucking like lax about the fact that his memory banks doesn't have a yeah. surgery he performed. He- he doesn't bring it up immediately, which is weird. Yeah, like, he's like, "Oh, I need you, I need to do a deep body scan," and it's the saxophone music kicks in. And, <laughs> but he's like, "Yeah, there's uh, this surgical procedure on Ensign Kim that I don't remember doing, and uh, it, it seems like it was about 18 months ago due to science that I did to find out." <laughs> yeah. And Janeway's like, oh, I, I, I definitely don't remember that. And then she sure don't the know what you're goes, talking about. She turns to the camera and goes, wink, and she says it when she does it. Yeah, and it's even weirder that he doesn't acknowledge that because I mean <laughs> he's right there. I don't know how he didn't see it. Um, the doctor wants to run a diagnostic of his program, but Janeway just sort of brushes him off. She's like, yeah, um, the only two people on the ship who can do computer stuff are busy, so we'll put you on the list of things to do. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he heads down to talk to Seven of Nine, uh, who he really, really wants to be his girlfriend, but he can't figure out how to ask her yet. 
Yeah. And he totally fucking flubs it, and she ends up with Chakotay because Robert Beltran was trying to get out of his contract. (laughs) (laughs) But um, she's, like, working on the deflector uh, dish, and she's like, yeah, come back tomorrow. Yeah. And the doctor goes into this, like, sad soliloquy, which reminded me of um, the professor from Lost in Space. Oh, woe is me. From the new one? No, the old one. Oh, the old one, yeah. yeah. Where he's acting like I'm allergic. Oh, what yeah. was me? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, all right, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love Seven. And he tells her about everything. At this point, we've heard about the surgery like three times. So Yeah, they're really hitting it home. So, like, crazy shit has happened, and you gotta know... But um, it's important because there's going to be a commercial break. There's like a commercial break between the first time and the second, and there's going to be another one in a few minutes. So it's important structure-wise to let the audience know what's happening. To remind them (laughs) over and over. All of those Pine Fresh commercials are going to completely ruin it. Yeah, there's like two and a half minutes, and one of them's for like... Pine Saw. Yeah, Pine Saw. Ugh. You remember Pine Saw with the yeah. one like heavy set lady who was like, "Oh, it smells good, baby." I don't remember that one. Pine Saw does not smell good. And she uh and she's kind of hot. But anyway, um well, there goes our Pine Saw commercial. Damn, does Pine Saw even exist anymore? <laughs> I think so. I haven't maybe, seen it since the 90s. I maybe I don't know. I, it's a good question. I don't know. But uh Seven heads down there an hour later. She's like, I'm busy. I'll come back in an hour. And she heads down there. The doctor's been turned off. Yes, that's right. He's not there. He's he's yeah. in the side of the computer so again. She uh, turns him back on, and she's like, hey, uh, I'm here to do your diagnostic. And he's like, I didn't ask you to do that. What are you talking about? Yeah. And uh, we as the audience are like, dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh. The game is afoot. Again. <laughs> Uh, the it's a double game. <laughs> the mystery is like transferred to other people now. Yeah, she uh, she checks out Kim's hollow scans and the computer. They're has gone. De- they're de- been deleted. Gone. It's fucking Dunsky, dude. And what was she thinking though? Like, uh, so I I'm, I mean we know we know who did the deleting. So yeah, we've watched the episode. Right. So. <laughs> so like, what was the thought process there? Like what, like the doctor later on was going to reference these probably, and then find yeah. that Ensign Kim doesn't have a file anymore. So that would have reignited the mystery again. Right. Like yeah, he is, would have followed those breadcrumbs. This is like putting a bandage on a gaping wound, right? Like yeah. They're yeah. trying to do whatever they possibly can to keep him on the straight and narrow for a while. They're, they're trying to like, honestly, they don't do a great job of steering him away from this. No. What they should do is like, what they should have done is immediately had Torres go down there, shut him off, Delete his memories out before he gets a chance to talk to anyone. Right. And then reactivate him, and everything would have been great. Yeah, they would have pushed the can down the road a little farther. But Torres was busy fucking not being in the first part of the episode, I guess. And then she's. I like how she plays like just like a fucking disgruntled like union guy, and then she's like, "Here we go again." Oh, jeez, oh, I guess I gotta fix this idiot. 
She's on that poster with her thumbs up and the sad look. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. It's been zero days since a doctor went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, all of the images he's taken from that date that he supposedly did the surgery are gone. So he, he they deleted all of them. Yeah. Okay. And thankfully, Seven of Nine has technology that we haven't even fucking heard of yet, which is you empty out the recycle bin, you hit recover all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, she uses residual photons in the hollow buffer in order to create uh, the images again. Okay. Which, uh, sure. science, fill in a hot air balloon, like, whatever. Residual photons. It's All like right. it's like filling a balloon with too much photos. <laughs> and <laughs> some of them are gonna leave an imprint on the inside of the balloon. <laughs> Fuck, you did it. You circled it around. I did it. I did it. I um, star trekked. There's a. It's like a birthday party. And the doctor is like, "Who? What the fuck is this? Who's this lady? Whose birthday yeah. was it?" Yeah, he doesn't know who the, the this really attractive woman is. Yeah, also, and she he's is like very attractive. Yeah, it's like I would be like, "This lady is very attractive." I definitely would remember this birthday party. <laughs> I might not remember some uggos out there. <laughs> like I don't remember. I can never remember uh, Tom Paris's name when I see him. <laughs> yeah. But I'd remember but, this lady. <laughs> but this lady, I would remember this. But, like, apparently he's been on a shuttle mission with this lady and uh, Kim, and he doesn't remember anything about it still. Yeah. Um, a lot of the photos are taken from the perspective of the lady, it seems, which makes no sense, but whatever. Yeah, there's um, some like early digital camera funniness going on because this is '99. This episode came out, so there were digital cameras that looked similar to the one he's using. Oh yeah, it <laughs> which looks is like funny. a big ass Polaroid with like, yeah. doodads hanging off of it. It's because people didn't know yet that like not only were there going to be like space cameras in our hands soon, but they were going to be in our telephones. Oh yeah, well like technology gets smaller and more compact, and I don't think we had really picked up on that not this point. yet not yet yeah and plus like they were like ding- why would a digital camera need to get smaller yeah plus you, ding dongs in the flyover states have to know what they're doing right you, you fucking you know what it reminds me of is the camera from say cheese and die which is just a polaroid with doodads <laughs> all over it it looks exactly the fucking same a fucking say cheese and die <laughs> reference <laughs> jesus Look, that was a masterpiece. Anyway, um, <laughs> the doctor heads over to the briefing room to talk to Janeway and Tuvok about everything that's happened. And Janeway's like, yeah, I don't recognize this alien. And Seven even mentions that they're unknown to the Borg. So who yeah. the fuck are they? Well, does that it never gets turns, answers. Turns out it doesn't matter, right? Like, nobody cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tuvok is smart. He's like, you know, the images may have been manipulated. Y- yes. And yeah, you already have like people deleting shit, so who yeah. who knows, right? Who knows what's real? It's a very smart play. The doctor shuts it right the fuck down. He's when he mentions that his uh information is being systematically deleted. Yeah. He remembers that the crewman's name is Ani Jatal, which is a great name. It's, it's a really great cool. it's borderline Star Wars. It is very Star Wars. If it was like Annie Jatal, that would be Star Wars. That would be Annie. 
storm's coming. Um, so they think that there's an intruder on board pretending to be a member of the crew and that everyone is in immediate danger. Right. Their first instinct is to think that there's some really crazy shit going on. Yeah. No, there's no it's Occam's razor here. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a leap. Yeah. But um, Janeway sort of like assuages their fears a little bit. He's like, all right, we're going to recalibrate the sensors to detect cloaked ships. So we're going to do a security sweep on every sure. level. And we're going to find just this theater. out. Security theater, right? They're just, yeah. He's just like, whatever. And the doctor's like, I need to review my records for anything else that this might tell me. But Janeway says, no, turn yourself off. Yeah. And he's like, but why? And she's like, just do it. Go to your room. This will like this will make sure we're gonna encrypt your pathways. Yeah. Which there's so many things that are said to the doctor in this episode that could be, if you really think about it, sexual innuendo, but they're not. I'm gonna yeah. encrypt your pathways, you know. <laughs> and um, but uh, the idea is that if somebody tries to tamper, it'll like McAfee will fucking shut it down, right? Yeah. And um, she sends him away. And he think he's he's like really kind of struggling with deactivating himself because Janeway was acting strange. Mm-hmm. And uh, Janeway never acts strange. If you watch the series, she's never out of character in it. So yeah. it's very strange that she's being this way. Plus, they're like used to being like very upstanding citizens their whole life. So when one of them acts like weird it's like really noticeable oh, yeah. right because they're, they're really not like that bad at it too like she's yeah. being shifty as all fuck around him yeah there's makes them uncomfortable the the doctor does not deactivate himself right away he decides to set up a uh freddy from scooby-doo style trap yes <laughs> traps he uh, he he copies his like the last forty eight hours of information to a floppy. He copies that floppy. <laughs> he hides it behind a bathroom stall in the high school that they go to in New York City. And then he says, "I hid it in that place where I hid that thing one time." And then everybody knows. Seven knows where to find it. Oh no! And then she walks in the bathroom, and all the boys look at her like, "What's Angelina Jolie? I mean, Seven of Nine doing in my bathroom?" <laughs> um. Angelina Jolie should have played a Vulcan at some point, man. She was perfect. Yeah, she looks like a Vulcan in Hackers. Like, like yeah. she is a Vulcan, she I think. Lo- the only thing she's missing is the pointy ears. The ears, yeah. She's got the outfit. She's got the fucking, yeah. like, white outfit, like, uh, Paul wears. But, um, he has the computer link up with his Say Cheese and Die camera, <laughs> and, uh, it's gonna take photos if anybody enters the room. He's got yeah. his trap set. Set trap. Your move, thief. <laughs> Let's see you get past this. <laughs> nice try. And he, he deactivates, and we get, like, a little, like, kind of an artful shot of the reflection in th- his control panel. Yeah. Where the doors open, somebody unseen comes up, deletes all of his files, and then leaves, and you see the camera, like, take photos. It's cool. There's another shot of the cat, or the doctor, uh, which I thought was like extremely cinematic for Star Trek Voyager, for any Star Trek really, where he's like sitting in his chair with his eyes closed. I don't know what part it's at exactly. I don't remember, 
But like, it's like towards the end where that he knows they're going to reach yeah, him. Yeah, so he's like kind of like sleeping in his chair in his office, but it looks like he's laying down, kind of, and yeah. his head's tilted, so it looks Dutch, like a Dutch angle almost. There's a great, uh, there's a great Dutch angle in like the flashback that yeah. happens a little later where they pan through the crowd of people who were just kind of like looking over at him during the um during Jatal's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes up on him and it's a really low Dutch angle on him to show right. that like things are askew he's, in his world. He's not right. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah. Um the uh, Robert Picardo does like a really good job in this episode. Yeah, I not feel. Captain Picardo, Robert no. Picardo. Who Captain plays, Picardo. Who plays Dr. Picardo. Um <laughs> So many Picardos. They're both they're both bald, so it's yeah, hard to know. True. This I've always found that so strange. Like, <laughs> did he try out for this show because his name is Picardo? He was in um he was in a bunch of movies in the eighties. I think he was in one of the movies. He might have been in four at some oh, point. Yeah? He might be the one of the guys in the room at the the steel or the glass plant. When they make the transparent aluminum, he might be one oh, of the. Yeah, he's in something. I know he's in one of them. I could look I, it up. I love the fucking like hand wave of like maybe we were supposed to have them make yeah. it now. It's like a fucking not very good idea, but yeah. one of them should have walked away with be like, "Bye, en- enjoy your eugenics ward in the <laughs> ten years." Yeah, things are gonna get real fucking shitty, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I like that in Star Trek lore, the 80s are our 80s, and then the 90s are just a series of horrible world wars. And also, Sarah Silverman is in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, well... Stealing technology. That's like the biggest oversight in Trek continuity, I think, in history, where they're just like, let's go back to the 90s, and it's our 90s. It's just the regular 90s. He was the, the, the gym teacher in the Wonder Years. He was Johnny Cab from Total Recall, which is wow. That's I do remember that. What else, dude? He's in so much that. shit. I guess he maybe wasn't in one of the movies. I thought he was. Eh. He was. He's a prolific actor. He's in a ton of shit. Um, the doctor turns back on, and he does this great moment of like you know state the nature of the medical emergency, and then like the computer uploads his memories, and he instantly is on it again. Yeah, it's a great little bit of acting, and um the imager starts making a, a spooky skeleton, and I'm like, oh god, a skeleton did it. What are we going to do? It's a clever <laughs> mystery kind of, like, trope, right? The slow reveal. Yeah, like, it's a great reveal. Yeah. Um, but it turns out to not be a skeleton. It turns out, well, there is a skeleton in it. It is a skeleton, but you but normally can't see the skeleton. It's, it's got a Janeway suit around yeah, it. Yeah, there's a meat suit that's just Janeway around it. It's, but it, it, it turns out it's Janeway. Dun, dun, dun. And you as an audience member are like, Janeway, why? 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 Yeah. And uh, it goes to commercial. Fuck. Again? And how many just, of these things are there? You just listen to fucking Pine Saw Lady tell you about how much Pine Saw smells good. And I gotta put like, like... I gotta know! So now I gotta put like two Pine Saw commercials in this? No, you put a Sunny D one in here. Because <laughs> you, you're like, I don't want that purple stuff. Give me a no. Sunny D. Sunny D. And uh, <laughs> back on the bridge, uh, Chakotay has a personality for the first time in the yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> I always like these kind of moments. I think that these are fun uh, 
moments in in Star Trek when they like m- make them reference like things that are what would be popular culture to them. Oh, so yeah. like in in like nowadays like you go on the bridge of the USS Enterprise and the American Navy, right? Like maybe you'd hear guys talking about like football or baseball, but apparently in 2369 or wherever the fuck this is, everyone sumo. loves sumo wrestling. Everybody's big into sumo. Sumo wrestling is the shit. And they're arguing Janeway has, uh, ironically enough, a false memory of what happened during the sumo wrestling match. I think they do that on purpose. Yes, it is very clever. It's cool. And um, Chakotay and Tuvok are in agreement about what actually happened. And honestly, I'm going to believe Tuvok. Yeah. and um, as long as he's no, not horny on the pond far, he's pretty true. pretty clever. Pretty I'm sure honest. he could still remember the sumo wrestlers because they bounce so good. And um, <laughs> the doctor comes out and he's like, "Janeway, you fucking bitch! What have you yeah. done?" And everybody's like, "Whoa!" Uh oh! Everyone's like, "Back to work!" <laughs> everybody's like, well, "We're talking about sumo. Hold on, hold the phone." But uh, the doctor's mad, and she comes up. Janeway goes up to him, and she's like, "In my ready room now." Yeah. So you know you've done bad. Yeah. Come to my office. Fuck. And uh, the doctor goes to the principal's office, and he's so mad. He's like, "You tampered with my memories. He's Why pissed. are you keeping this from me?" Yeah. And Janeway says there was a conflict in your programming, and you know it couldn't be resolved, so we had to. And he's like, "What was the conflict?" She's like, "I can't yeah. tell you." Right? If I tell you, you'll break again. And he's like, "Well, that's convenient as fuck." Yeah. And it is. It's very convenient. It is. But it's very. It's also like fucking making like a lot of work for everybody. Oh, like this yeah. whole fucking conspiracy is sort of just like. God, we gotta keep up this bullshit for like seventy fucking years so this guy doesn't break down again. <laughs> Sucks. I mean, in their minds, it's like I, I have to do this thing every time I turn my computer on because I use classic shell instead of the fucking like uh, app store looking shit you got to use on Windows if you don't yeah. use it. Yeah, I use classic shell. It pops up and says uh, classic shell needs to be reconfigured. I hit yes. It says it cannot be reconfigured. I hit. Uh, it says retry, and I hit no because that means it actually has been configured. Right, right. Fine. So you just sort of recognize this is their the bug. version of that. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little more complicated. And yeah, a they just more. have to do this workaround every time he yeah. fucking gets too close to this. Yeah. It's interesting though, like because like you said, everyone at home is like Janeway, why? But like in her opinion like this is the doctor they have right like there's yeah. no other doctors if he breaks down yeah everyone that's, dies that's you bad know? yeah that's actually very bad <laughs> like yeah. he's the only doctor on board besides like what little tom paris has learned yeah. about it and that's if what tom if tom paris is the only doctor everyone on board is going to systematically die it's from something it's not gonna be good and that's that's why i think like other captains in this situation might just reboot him you know just fucking erase him erase his individuality like a droid in star wars like that's what they do to them they they delete them every now and then so they don't get personalities because when they start getting personalities they start not listening to you yeah you get a c-3po situation you get r2 R2 yeah he just does whatever he wants which is great for Star Wars because they're fun and they're like good guys, but yeah, like it's not great when you're trying to fly a ship yeah. and you're trying to get your fucking astromech droid to do something right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
they have this argument, and Janeway pretty much tells him, like, go back to sickbay. This is an order. You have absolutely no recourse here. Right. And the doctor says straight up he feels violated by this. He had no choice in the matter. Right, which he, he should. He no choice now. He's, he's being treated at, at best like a second-class citizen. At worst, he's a slave. Yeah. Right? Like it's, and, I mean, that, of course, comes up later with the way the other... Uh, yeah. Doctor holograms. The EMHs are being treated. Yeah, they're like minors and shit. Yeah, and that's it's like a it's a question of individuality, which again comes up in a minute. But like he brings up like how would you feel if you were operated on without your consent? And Janeway uh, says like rightfully like if it saved my life, right? I'd be thankful. And he says that's bullshit. Right. It's yeah. You're you're choosing to take that side without recognizing the the details, like like Janeway says, like to Seven later, like yeah, it all it all matters on the situation, right? Like yeah, it always is situational. Does. Yeah, she completely ignores that for a long time. Yeah, but the doctor does dutifully, dutifully, dutifully. He dutifully uh, <laughs> goes to sick bay. And Chicote comes in. They kind of like strong arm him a little bit because Chicote comes in with Torres at seven, and they're like, "We're gonna rewrite your program. We want copies of all your memory files." Yeah. So like, not to get ahead, but like later he has like this flip out, and like he kind of describes like why this happens to him because his program is written so that like he weighs the 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 odds of survival. And he calculates, like, in his computer brain, like, like kind of like what we would do in a triage situation, right? Like, yeah. like who would be better suited to survive? Uh, later we find out that, again, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, like, we find out they had equal chances of surviving or whatever. Like, people who didn't watch this episode are like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, uh... uh if you didn't watch the episode, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, be listening. <laughs> you shouldn't be hanging out in a book club. Yeah. Or who would... Yeah. Who would go to a book club having not read the book? Am I right, Josh? <laughs> not, not me on cracking the spine. Anyway, um, yeah. So like, but like, why? Like, you would think, you would think that like the program also would account for that variable of like maybe one in a million chance. Like their both their odds of survival would be the same. So you would need to write some sort of coin flipping algorithm in his brain that flipped a coin yeah, and made it okay, the, right? The thing is, that may that may have been built in. Might have happened, may have been right. something that actually existed. The but it got over, comes right. in with how much he's grown right. as a living sentient being. He's He is C-3PO'd <laughs> right. himself. His into, feelings for them are overriding yeah. that, that algorithm. His uh, He was programmed with an ability to understand emotions, in order to react to them, which is very necessary as a doctor, or else right. you're just gonna like uh, not give anyone anesthetic and cut their limbs off. Right? Yeah, you'll survive. It's fine. It's just pain. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> talk about a, a horror movie, right? But um, yeah, that'd be terrifying. The uh, the personality that he's developed has very much supplanted that, and his emotional connections to people right. have become part of the algorithm that goes right. into choosing who lives and who has to be sacrificed. This reminds me, I, I brought it up a little earlier, of a Asimov short story called Runaround. And it's oh, sort of similar. That. So there's a robot named Speedy. It's like SPD-11 or something like that. 
and like they call him Speedy. So like the three laws of robotics, right? Like I don't want to read them. You can look them up or whatever. Like they have to like fix the life support on this mining facility on Mercury, and they need to go out to get selenium to do it. And the robot gets sent outside because the humans cannot survive out there for very long. So they send Speedy to go do it, and they find this pool of like liquid selenium or whatever, and like the robot's just running around in a circle around it. Like, and they're like, what the fuck is this fucking robot doing? So, like, they're like, all right. So, like, something's going wrong with them. And he starts acting drunk when they start, like, sending, like, talking to it, like, through the voice command or whatever. It sounds like it doesn't know what it's doing. Because they don't know, but the robot knows that in the selenium there's, like, a thing that will destroy the robot if it goes near it, like, radio radiation. So, like, that's the second law, right? Or the the, fir- the third law is, like, robots cannot destroy themselves. It's against their programming. Yeah. But the second law is that robots need to listen to humans. So it needs to get the selenium, but it can't go near the thing to get it because the laws are conflicting. So the it's solution... It's internal conflict. Yeah. Right, it's a, it's a paradox. It's the, if, if tell, riddle me this, robot, if this yeah. is this, yeah. Like, if this was, Kirk was around, right. the robot's head would explode. Right, yeah. its head would explode, yeah. But, so what the solution to the problem is, is they find out, they, they figure out that one of them, one of the guys in the story has to go out there so that the robot saves the guy cuz that's the the one of the laws too like is that yeah. they can't let humans get hurt and that breaks the cycle so the first law overrides the the first the th- second and third law and it just it reminds me a lot of that story because like he he's having trouble like processing the things that he did to help hum- humans yeah, but he winds up like, not reconciling yes. it with what he knows his programming to be right and i don't know if like that story or like i mean i know asimov is like you could link asimov to like anything with robots and holograms and shit right with like a, with a machine yeah. with a mind in it. yeah but it, it just asimov. it just reminded me of that story like pretty heavy when i was watching it i was like oh it's kind of cool. like that that's a cool insight. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> I have them every now and then. I don't know. I don't. Again, I don't know if it's like really somebody liked that story or not. I like that story. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it's very it's Star Trek story. story. Yeah. The um, the the thing about his, I mean, it's like a hardwired role in him specifically, like to weigh and counterbalance the options yeah. between yeah two like two patients any number of patients like if he doesn't have this ability he's worthless as a doctor right but uh the algorithm has been i guess you could say corrupted it's corrupted and then it's not written that way yeah right it's not corrupted in the sense that it's broken because it's it's actually better than it was right like as a human being we would say he's more human now yes like and this I mean, kind it really, of it depends on your viewpoint of what that means for a doctor. Like, is yeah. that detachment? The, we want a doctor to be coldly detached because, like, if 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 I'm on an operating table and the doctor's best friend is on an operating table and we're right. both gonna die, it sure would suck if I right. got killed because of it. That but would be horrible. Humans are not emotionless. There's no way to take emotion completely out of yeah. an equation. And it's the doctor impossible. just has to kind of learn to deal with that throughout the whole episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard, it's hard to like imagine doing that as a doctor, right? Because we're not doctors. I don't know if they know no. that, but we're not. 
Well, um, no, you're a wiener scientist, and I'm a security. Yeah, officer, yeah. So. I mean, scientist is a little different than a doctor. I didn't go to you, med school. I've never had to choose between two penises, if you know what I'm saying. No, I would choose them both. <laughs> sometimes on the same guy. Yeah, sometimes on the same Klingon guy or whatever. Um, at the same the, time, in both, the, in one hole. Oh Jesus. The uh, the crux of this episode comes when Seven of Nine goes to Janeway's quarters at night. And she wants to discuss the nature of individuality. Janeway tells her to fuck off. Yeah. That they can talk about it tomorrow, but Seven says tomorrow will be too late since the doctor's program will have been rewritten. Right. I like how mechanical she is. Because I think this is the first season with her, right? Or I think so, yeah. So she's still very, like... Borg like and I, I I like that it works really well here because she her point being is like well I'm synthetic too like what if you decide that I need to be rewritten <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah and that's a that's a legitimate question yeah Janeway Janeway brushes it off pretty harshly to begin with she's like you fool you fucking child yeah she's like well you're a human you being and, she's and like, look yeah. Here, I, this replicator, I tell it the temperature to make my coffee every time, and it does its own thing. It thinks it right. makes me think it, it has its own personality, but it's just a machine, and that's just what the doctor is. Right. And um, Seven, like, dunks her so hard in yeah. the scene. She says, you've always been my template and guide to what the best of humanity should be. And maybe I chose wrong. Maybe all. I chose poorly. Yeah. yeah. She leaves and Janeway's like, oh, God, Whoops. I got dunked on. Guess I fucked up. Mommy fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when Janeway decides that he, that the doctor deserves to know what happened at least. And yeah. She gives him the option and he, he agrees immediately. Yeah, everyone would do that, right? Everyone would be like, yes, I, yes. Like, can you imagine being him and, like, not knowing what you did? <laughs> like, yeah, it'd like, be horrifying. You no idea. And you're just trapped in this cycle that you know you're going to repeat eventually. Right. It's, yes. And it's like, like destiny. It's basically like, think about it this way. Um, you, at your age now, are killed at this age and reverted back to being a baby. Mm -hmm. And then you grow to that age, and one time you're going to get killed again. And it's that's hell. your entire existence. It's hell. Yeah, it's fucking hell, dude. It sucks. <laughs> the doctor doesn't know why. And that's sort of a base desire of humanity. And, I mean, he's, he's becoming more human. The basis desire of humanity is to know why. Right. I mean, that's the big question, right? That's why, yeah, that's why we do all the shit that we do. Is That's why we're like, as far as we know, we don't have anything to compare us to, but that's why we're really good at, like, figuring out shit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, that's all we do. That's all we've ever did. W there's a human obsession with understanding the universe around us, and just think about not being able to understand your own circumstances. Right. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who, who've dealt with this personally, but it's, it's gotta be rough. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nightmare scenario. It's scary. And like, I think it, 
a lot of times like Voyager undercuts itself. Uh, like with episodes like this, I would say this is one of the best ones, top five easily for me. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, this is a really good episode. Like I wasn't prepared right. for a really good Voyager episode. Right, me neither. I saw the list and I was like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like everybody, right? But we gotta watch Voyager. <laughs> but the show undercuts itself later by making the Doctor like a fucking singing idiot, right? Like where he's just yes. like, ah, cha cha, I'm a singing guy, and it's like, yeah, like cool. Robert Picardo likes to sing and shit, but like the Doctor as a character needs to be like looked at because that's the that's interesting like he's interesting. interesting he he becomes like a member of the crew in a not great way yeah where he's just another face on the role right 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 but he's a lot more interesting than that as a character he does like you said he deserves to be looked deeper into like there there could be episodes not like there could be like other episodes that are similar to this where he is like in a lot of ways like data but he's just some more like flamboyant data where, because he likes like fucking opera, and he's like big. Everything's big, you know. He's like a big character in that he sense. He is. He's he's very large in yeah. his face, and like that could be like the twist is that he's similar to Data, and which is kind of where they were going, right? But like, I think he's inevitable with his type yeah. of character. Yeah. Um, they should have just put Worf on Voyager. For <laughs> That would have made the show better. Just fucking Worf trips yeah. over Ezri getting out of bed near the end of the show, and he fucking trips into a wormhole and lands on the Voyager. I don't ever think they fuck in a bed. I just think they fuck no, in they that brain jail. <laughs> brain prison. That's where they fuck. Uh, you know, you gotta get it where you can get it in prison, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Two dicks in one hole. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It's just a Tuesday. It's just in Star Trek Future. There's just dicks going into everything. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, holograms. So we'll get we'll get into the Doctor's memories after another break. Oh so, shit! So uh, we'll be back right after these messages. After the messages, we'll be right back. Mom, look what Aunt Marge is doing. Mercury. The house smells like fish. Now it smells like fish and roses. We don't use that air freshener, Marge. We use Lysol spray. But Lysol is a disinfectant. Sure, Lysol kills germs on surfaces, but it also cleans odors out of the air. Ordinary air fresheners don't do all that. Fish and rose smells gone. Smells clean. I'm glad I thought of Lysol spray. Lysol disinfectant spray, original or scent too, actually cleans the air. And we're back. Hopefully you bought that pine saw. Um, <laughs> Don't you use pine saw for everything? I just Whenever it. I think of pine saw, I think of a really dark moment in Boardwalk Empire. Oh, and no. It, I haven't seen that. It doesn't sit well with me because it's very dark. Uh, they yeah. had pine saw back in... Back in the yes, uh, so Pine Saw, I think, is like from the 20s, and that, that show takes place in like oh, the early 20s. Okay. Uh, but she, the, one of the main, Margaret, the main character, one of the main characters, uses it as like a contraceptive or like a oh, plan B. Oh, no. Yeah, it's fucked up. And that's what women used to do. They I used to like bathe in it. I Mario for a second. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that, sh- that, show, that show's got some, 
some darkness to it. She'll, it's a great show. She'll though. turn you into a scared Mario in a second. Um, uh, stay tuned next week for our uh, pod, new podcast, Boardwalk Trek Pyre, <laughs> where we talk about Boardwalk Empire. Podcast Empire? Board, boardwalk Podcast? There it is. That's um, it. That's it. Uh, so the doctor gets starts to tap into his memories, and he remembers there was a surprise birthday party for Jatal, and um, she was she's like a memory character where like if she was in person she would be really weird and off putting, but because it's yeah. a slow memory it makes sense. Right, right. <laughs> and um, they end up on a shuttlecraft mission that uh, we don't really get a, a lot of explanation. Yeah, it's, it's some unnecessary. bullshit. Star Trek bullshit. But um, we do learn that the Doctor is obsessed with taking hollow pictures. And yeah. he ends up taking one on the shuttle, but um, they are attacked by a creepy gross alien that has a three-dick gun. Yeah. They're like, we haven't dealt with this many dicks before. <laughs> it's very, uh, very clever of this alien to grab the three dick gun instead of the two dick gun because there's three of them on the shuttle. That's he thought true. He, he knew what he was doing. He, he was, was in the Boy Scouts. He, he's always prepared. <laughs> if you saw his back, there's like eight guns strapped to him. <laughs> Taped like John McClane to his back. <laughs> this one that has like 20 dicks on it. Jesus Christ. Uh, guns are just dicks for people that can't get good dicks for themselves. That's right. Um, <laughs> they, uh, the alien does shoot them with his triple dick gun, and he he just beams them back onto his ship. Which I would just beam him into space, but whatever. That's right. Well, that's what uh, uh, Ensign uh, Kim says to him. Yeah. Like, why don't you beam him into space? And, and he's like dying. Yeah, there's like they're going into synaptic shock or whatever, and um. They get they get back to Voyager into sickbay, and apparently the weapon that he used is like the poisoned trench knife of weapons. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it, banned from all the conventions. Yes, yeah, the Space yeah. Geneva Convention is entirely against this weapon. Yeah, because it puts a, an energy charge into your cellular structure that damages your fucking spinal your spinal cord, cord which is like horrible. And, uh, what if the species doesn't have a spinal cord? Fucking checkmate, triple dick alien. Oh, uh, invertebrates, bitch. That's where it's at. Gaseous life forms. Fucking Slurms McKenzie is completely <laughs> immune to your stupid gun. He gets shot and he's like, wibbity wham wham wobble. <laughs> he doesn't care. I've been partying for so long. <laughs> I just want the party in the stop. Um, party on, dudes. They, uh,. They're trying to repair the cellular damage, but they don't have enough time to operate on both. And Paris right. is just yelling at him, like, You gotta choose! You gotta choose! So this is why they had the three dick gun, because they need to be shot at the same time, right? Yes. In order for the deterioration rate to be... It's pretty clever. It's it's a little silly on its face, but, like, it's pretty clever. I mean, yeah, it's another conceit. It's necessary right. for the story to continue. Right. He could have just had two guns, but whatever. Could have had two uh, guns, could have shot them at different times, right? He could have just shot, with two guns, shot Kim and the lady, and then tried to shoot the doctor and cut And it didn't work, yeah. But uh, they only had enough special effects for one laser shot, so. Right. Somebody's got to make those. 
Um, <laughs> uh, he decides that he's going to operate on Kim, and the procedure saves him, but um, Jatal is... Uh, she dies. She dies from the laser beam bouncing around in her brain. Who knew? Yeah, probably like a pretty fucked up, horrible death. And the doctor is hit by this. And we don't really understand why, because um, he says in the little flash forward when he's talking to Janeway that, like, you know, no offense, but he's done this before. People have died on his watch before. He's yeah, he's programmed, programmed to, to deal with not it. feel like that. Yeah. Um, professional out, detachment. It turns out, un- unfortunately, that Neelix is in this episode, and the doctor yeah, but he gets yelled at, so him. it's kind of fun. <laughs> it is. Uh, Neelix, he's like a lost. Too. He's a lost puppy. He's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like really fucking like scared. Neelix like <laughs> wants to say words, but they didn't pay him to say them, so he keeps <laughs> stopping himself. <laughs> His actor, um, but like the doctor's talking to him about getting some medicinal herbs and antigens and shit, and the doctor's really like gung ho and like upbeat. Yeah, like how he is, right? He's, yeah, yeah. And the doctor starts to bring up decision making. He says, "You know, how right. do I? How do you make decisions, Neelix? Like, what do you go through? Like." And he, he gets directly into the situation where he's like, you know, two people, equal chances to live. How do you choose? Right. How do you choose? Yeah. Neelix is like, uh, uh, <laughs> like security team. Yeah. And he starts picking up fruit and he's like, which one's better? And he like throws the fruit yeah. and the people in, in the mess hall are like, what the fuck is going on? This guy's going crazy. The doctor's like a whole security team just for me. I'm flattered. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, that's very rude, Mr. Neelix. See, yeah. you could have chosen not to be rude just then. <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> and, like, the doctor apparently develops, like, a feedback loop between yeah. his, like, ethics and his new, yeah. his new, like, emotional, su- like, I guess subroutine. He's all programmed, but, like, his, his, like, he's circling the selenium brain. pool. He's circling the pool. He can't yes. do anything. He's exactly. stuck. He's yeah. stuck. His heart and brain, his rule three and rule two are in, are in conflict. direct conflict yeah. with one another. Yeah. And it's it's very pertinent that you bring up that story because the way at the end of the show when he finally sort of snaps out of it is because Janeway is sick. Right. He right. Has, That's like, what really reminds humans him. is what matters most. Yeah. And also he reads a book, which I think is like... Oh, it's it's very that's so Star Trek. It's oh, great. Yeah. You get your answers in a book. Like he starts to become even more human. Yeah. Take and a dealing, look. It's in a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's reading book go. Bo? Oh, man, I love that show. Reading Booko. Reading Booko. It's Robert reading Bocardo's <laughs> reading Rainbow Knockoff. Reading Booko. I knew it was coming back. <laughs> um like the only way they're going to be able to deal with this is by erasing his memories of what happened. And the doctor just immediately goes back into the fucking, like, circling the pool again. Yeah, it's like instantly. It's like it's like when your computer doesn't work, you turn it yeah. on and you're like, maybe it'll work. And they're like, nope. It does the <laughs> nope. same shit again. Like, Still doesn't work. Something's he cho- wrong. He chose Harry because he's his friend. Right. He, he gets more and more, like, hyped up on this shit until Janeway just turns him off. Right. He It's like... It's like spaz behavior. Like he's a spazwad. Like he's spazzing the fuck out, right? 
He's it's kind of dangerous because like oh yeah he's the doctor <laughs> yeah and also like he he has that hollow emitter that makes him like lets him walk around like he could just start doing crazy shit man yeah. he's also tied into the ship's computer which is exceptionally yeah. dangerous yeah and Janeway wonders if uh, the solution to reprogram the doctor may have been the wrong solution and uh, she asks you know do we have the right to take away his struggle with what he's done and Bolan right. is like. Yo, he's a fucking toaster, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, very engineering. Also, she's Maki, so she's not yeah, like she's a super Starfleet. Yeah. Um, this is why she's like, oh, here we go again. I gotta fix this guy. Oh, fuck. Gotta do what I gotta do. I brought me some lunch in this old timey looking lunch pail. I gotta eat it on my eye beam later. <laughs> <laughs> Janeway goes to the cargo bay where Seven lives, which just has uh, multiple Borg recharging stations. I guess she could fucking choose which one she wants. Yeah, like kind of having a race car bed, a water bed, a race car <laughs> water bed. That one's the good one. And she, they have like a little conversation about, again, the nature of individuality. And she asks Seven, you know, everything you've been through since we disconnected you from the collective, was, was it worth it? And yeah. she, uh, she says, if you ask if I would change anything that happened, then no. Right. Janeway learns in that moment that what she's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. She's choosing to take away someone's ability to make their own decisions. Their right. ability to be an individual. Uh, yeah, which like... 100% is- against being in the Federation. Yeah, and it's. I think it goes a long way. Like that could later be used as like precedent for like when when they get back and like they need to start sorting through all this shit. Everyone needs to be debriefed. Starfleet needs to decide what they want to do with this fucking hologram that like basically is a person now because they left it on for seven years. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, what do they yeah. do? What do we do with this thing? How you, do we deal normally with this? Normally, you just lock it into a hell cube that you pretend is the real world <laughs> yeah. forever, but you but can't he do also, that this time. Yeah, but he also has this fucking technology that, like, lets him walk around and shit. Like, that's the problem. So he has, like, autonomy. He meets, like, all the criteria for, like, a sentient living being. So oh, yeah, he he understands himself in a way that's like pure. It's like sapience. It's beyond sentience. Yeah. When you hold him up to a mirror, he knows it's him. Yeah. You don't have to say that's you. <laughs> you don't have to hold him in your arms and go. Yeah. yeah look at you. That's you. That's you. That's not another cat. <laughs> um. We learned that for two weeks. A crew member sits with him in the holodeck yeah. round the clock to help him, to be like a sounding board for him talking about the decision he made. Yeah. And he is, for two weeks, debating whether it was right or wrong, whether he's a monster for what he's done, or whether he deserves to continue to live. Right. This is, she comes to the decision, whether it's, um, whether she realizes it or not, to let her friend grieve right. for what he's done. Let him go through the process that a human being would go through if they had done what he'd done. Yeah, it's 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 a gamble in the sense that, like, who knows if he has, like, the ability to do it. I mean, people don't have the ability to do it all the time. No, like, sometimes... post-traumatic stress, like, fucks with people. And that's that's what this reminds me of, too, is, like... 
this guy is going through some trauma. Like, oh yeah, this he's is not by his yeah. decision. It's PTSD yeah. straight yeah. up, and he's. It, it's like the lesson couched in the lesson that I was talking about is like so often when someone we know, someone we really care about is going through something painful, we want to do whatever is necessary to take the pain away. fix it, yeah. To but fix you, it. You can't always. And the only person who can fix it is that person. You just have to be there for them. That's a right. life lesson that we can all take to the bank. Right. Because, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to like see someone you care about in that type of, like, struggle and that type of pain. It's, especially because, like, as, like, we're two, like, straight dudes. Like, we've, we've been programmed our whole lives not to be able to deal with that shit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Saying how you feel isn't always, like, for any for anyone, but, I, yeah, for, like, for men especially, it's like, oh, I don't oh, yeah. know. You know, like, like I don't cool. want to deal with it. Like to the point where like there was a time when I told I told like a group of my friends that like I felt proud of myself for something. Yeah. It it had been I hadn't felt proud about myself for something very often in my life, and you had thought I would I had thrown a grenade in the room. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I know. (laughs) This is is why I like being friends with iceberg shit, right? But like dudes can't deal with that. This is why it's better to be friends with women. Because yeah. you can you can talk to women about stuff. Yeah, you can be I open can. and honest with yeah. your feelings yeah. around women, and like a lot of like LGBT people as well are like yeah. very open uh, yeah. with talking about your feelings. But man, we don't we don't deal with that well. Like I yeah, I make a concerted effort to. Um, even I don't do it well all the time. Yeah, like, right. Well, nobody's perfect, right? Except like, yeah. me. Except me. <laughs> There's another grenade, Jeff. What are you doing <laughs> to the show? <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff. Oh, no. I shared my feelings. You fucking piece of shit. Um, Janeway sits up with the doctor for much longer than she should be. She even sends Tuvok away when he comes to relieve her yeah. of the duty. Um, she's been on the holodeck for like 16 hours at this point. Right. And um, the doctor mentions, uh, or Janeway mentions the book she's reading, La Vida Nuova, The New mm-hmm. Life, and that it's relevant to the doctor's situation. And the doctor's like, fucking The New Life, tell that to that bitch I killed. <laughs> he's like, she's, yeah. She's like, Jesus Christ. He's like one track um, mind over here, right? But but he, he like <laughs> goes into this like really long, not long, this really like passionate tirade. He looks over, Janeway's asleep. <laughs> and um, he sort of wakes her up. He's like, how can you sleep at a time like this? Wait a minute, you're sick. Yeah, he's, she's got a fever. He tries to send her away, and she refuses until he finally says, you know, like, your health is more important. Like, I'll, I'll be okay. Right. Uh, and if I need anything, I'll call somebody. I'm here to help a friend right now get through a hard yeah, time. But he, he sends her away finally to finally get some sleep and he picks up the book she was reading and there's a little passage uh, in that book which is my memory. Mm-hmm. On the first page of the chapter that is the day when I first met you appear the words here begins a new life. Yeah, it's a great line. And it Star is. Trek is so good at that. Like, even when it's a book I hate like uh, Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like find more meaning in it through the lens of Star Trek, because I think 
at least I never read uh, the new line. I don't. I've never read it, so I don't. No, I can't I speak to that book. But like, I've read Moby Dick, and I'll tell you, my whole thought process during that book was, "Yup, sure, get it. <laughs> yup, I get it." I, I feel like everybody I know hates Moby Dick except me. I'm like so ambivalent. Like, it's okay, <laughs> like I don't care about it. But and, well, that's that's the thing is it's okay. it's fine, right? It's not. Yeah. It's it's just fine. It's and I, a, and that's because it's like. It's like overplayed. Like yeah, no matter how good yes. something is, if it's forced down your throat, right. you're not gonna like it. Right. It's. I've heard about it. I know. I know all oh, the yeah. hot takes about Moby Dick. Right. Mo- like Moby Dick is such a weirdly ingrained part of all of like every bit of pop culture. Like there's something yeah. about Moby Dick in almost everything. It's because it's very easily relatable. It's it's very. Uh, it, I don't know. It's human. I, like yes. everybody has their white whale that they're right. that they're like destroying themselves. It's an easy metaphor, and it works. I think that's why I like it in other things, is because it works as a metaphor when you change it into something else. You know, the reference works when you change it, but when it's itself, it's played. Like I don't want to watch a version of Moby Dick. I don't want to watch that. But if it's like a version of Moby Dick, like in Futurama, hell yeah. <laughs> Right, because that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah. clever. It's kind of funny, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just how I feel. And I'm always right. <laughs> well, yeah, you're perfect. So yeah, of course. That's right. I'm definitely that. Um, <laughs> and of course, that's the end of the episode. But um, there, there apparently the ending of the episode was completely different to begin with. Oh, really? Um. I'm just going to read this directly from the memory alpha and you can decide whether it's a fun fact or not. I'm already having fun. So it is <laughs> while writing the episode's telepay teleplay, Joe Minoski, who wanted the episode to have some kind of dramatic resolution, struggled with scripting of the conclusion. Minoski recalled the original version. Janeway is holding this vigil and because of her exhaustion, just drifts off to sleep. The doctor has something dark and sad and also moving to say he looks up and she's asleep. He gets up, picks up the book, and he reads a little into story. Extremely uncomfortable with this version of the scene, mm-hmm. Brandon Braga made changes to it. Minoski commented, he just cut out a bunch of dialogue, he restructured certain things in the newer version, despite the fact that 90% of the dialogue is there, the structure of the scene is different, and Janeway ends up leaving. Yeah. Apparently, the idea was the, like... His original idea was that, like, the Doctor's struggles are his own in a way that, like, no one right. is really going to be able to understand. Right. He Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like the everyone dies alone thing, right? Where it's like, you, you're going to you're gonna be, you need to either live or die by yourself. Like, like we have our bonds, and our bonds are extremely important to us as human beings. Mm-hmm. They shape us, and they make us who we are, and they're the... They're the the like home that we hold on to in the storm, right? Right. But you have to be able to float on your own as right. well. Like if you can't stand on your own two feet, you can't like, and you you can't find that balance for yourself. People right. can help you come to that balance, but at the end of the day, it's definitely you who finds that balance for yourself. Yeah. Then you're you can be lost to that storm right you can lose yourself which i think is very tough yeah pill to swallow especially like it can be taken the wrong way as well where like there are so many people who absolutely refuse to see like a therapist 
Right, because they think they think they have to stand on their own. But that's where the bonds come in. Like you, you have to be helped to find that point sometimes where you can stand on your own. Yes, yes. Not everyone can do it, myself included. Like there's plenty of times when I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's just straight up depression, man. Yeah, I mean it catches it catches up to you sometimes. Like there's there are days when the world is a little too much. Yep, can't can't do it. And there's right. nothing. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. Like we, we as but a we we are made that. to feel that there yeah. is. Yes, I we know. as a society view that as wrong. But yes. like, why are you contributing? Long it takes you to be able to stand up is how long it takes you. Right. If we lived in a Star Trek world, you know, a little more caring world, a little more scientific and understanding world, we would know that some people are broken sometimes and that's yeah. that's part of being a person like we think of disease as like well your body's broken if it's a car right go see a mechanic yeah. if it's a if that's it's your body health. It's go all, see a doctor it's all right. Chemicals, right right but if it's your brain oh i don't know <laughs> why is your brain any fucking different it's right not. like it's, it's not absolutely not yeah. that's like that's something that it's taken me a long time to understand as i've gotten older is the, like Everybody has their own speed. Right. Like, just because it might take you a couple days to get over that feeling, to be able to finally get out of bed, that doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make right. you less than. That just means that you have a different speed. Right. The The frustration lies in, I think, like, when people refuse to go get help or acknowledge that maybe they don't need it, you know? That's that's hard to, to, to like you said, like society makes them feel that way. And that sucks. Like I don't know I don't know how to deal with that. How how do you you can't make somebody like the doctor, you can't make him go get fixed, right? Like that's not how no. it works. It's it's a <laughs> choice. And I guess really that's what the end of the episode is, either way you look at it, it's the doctor making that choice. Right, to walk down the path of to, getting to, better. Yeah, to walk down that path. And that's that's another extremely important thing about mental health is that it's a lifetime path. It's not Yeah, it's never ends. And there's yeah. there's not a a fix. Like right. it's 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 more like mending. Like you right. you don't fix a human being like a car, you mend them. And that yeah. even works with the way like your bones are reset and mended, but they're not fixed. They're not good as new. There's always going to be that break there. It's just healed over with yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always say about depression. Is like I've always had it. Like, and it's hard to like explain that to people who've never been depressed. Yeah, because like it do- it doesn't. That's my secret cap. I'm always depressed. Right. It's that. It's 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 never. I'm not. I'm I'm better now. It's it's. No, I'm always it's, going it's to have a, it. It's a part of you. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, it's you're mending it when you work through it. When you right. like find you find your path and you're taking through taking that path. You're mending it. Yeah. There's and it's always going to be more easily broken again. Right. But. Maybe it gets easier to mend as time goes on. The more often you do it, it's, it's a human struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you start to lose like more uh, giving a fuck, right? Like you start to not put weight on that could things. Be, that could that, be the bandage, then. Yeah, that's the coping mechanism. Is yeah. like, obviously humor helps. Like being a smartass helps. 
that's why that's why I'm that this way. Like oh, I yeah. I can't the, hate it because I've become what I am because of it in a lot of ways. So and that's a weird dichotomy I always find interesting. Is like I like I, I don't talk about it a whole lot on here, but I have mentioned like daddy problems and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I had like a rough childhood. Yeah. And that rough childhood made me who I am today. So sh- right. there's a part of me that's like thankful that I had to go through that. Yeah. There's a part of me yeah. that resents the fuck out of it. Oh, no. Well, there, of it's a it's a coin. And it's one yeah. side is, well, that I mean, it made me, I, I mean, you and I are extremely similar. And even in that way. And like, I, I mean, I joke about it all the time on everything, but like. I joke about it because it hurts, <laughs> and that's the yeah. only way I know how to like deal with it. Right? Is make fun of myself and joke well, about it. That's like comedians. People who joke all the time are always the people who've had to go through the most, for the most part. Right? Like you, you learn that uh, there are things in life that are hard and dark, but there's a lot of light to be taken from that as well. There's yeah. a lot of like comedy brings the light in in a way that a few other things really do. Yeah, it it allows you to cope with it and and look at it not in the dark. It's like looking at something dark in the dark. It's difficult to do, but when there's a little bit of light, it's you start to see how beautiful it can be, right? Like sometimes, dude. <laughs> I really like that. Like looking at something dark in the dark is hard to see, but with the light on, it's it's easier. Yeah, it's, even if it's just a little bit of light, sometimes that makes it look yeah. nicer. Hopefully, in class podcast can be that for other people. Hopefully, it's that for us. Yeah, it's it like certainly therapy. brings a lot of light into our lives. Yeah, it's great. I always have fun doing it. Um, there was only that one episode. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I was, I was gonna say there was only that one episode I really hated. No, you yeah, fuck all those episodes that I hate. <laughs> um, there is a John Larroquette fun fact of the of the week here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, apparently, like when uh, Minoski went to um, shoot the episode, like all the actors wanted to do the original version. Oh really? They the thought script. it was better. They thought it was better. Uh, Brandon Braga thought it was shit. He did not want to do it. Yeah. So when they went to uh, shoot the scene, he, uh, Brandon was like, "Fine, fine, go ahead and shoot both versions of the scene, and then and we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's and normal." They shot Brandon Braga's version first, and then said, uh, "We don't have time to shoot anymore." <laughs> Let's just hope it works. Let's go home. And they did not shoot the original version. So fuck you, Minoski. He pulled a fucking boss move. He boss moved him. Da- he daddy dicked him. It's fucked up. Man. He was like, nah, we don't have time. Nah, nah, we'll do it later. Just kidding. Yeah, but also actors don't always fucking know, right? Like, no, as a, I mean, like, I've done, there are I've done shit. In every yeah. god awful piece of shit that ever was made. Yeah, like, yeah, it, they don't know. They don't always know. Not every actor is a writer. Yeah, not every actor can see the writing for wh- how it's written too. Uh, I notice that a lot, where like people will be like, "That doesn't." make sense so like an actor or somebody who doesn't write something will overwrite the shit out of something whereas like a a a writer like a good writer in my opinion who are good write like you can read the blank spaces right like you they know in their mind what's gonna go there and how it's gonna look they're almost like directing it too in their head it's it's like weird it's like a weird complicated like that's the art form of writing that's why like uh, like 
some well, I think writers I don't know acting is such a fucking specific skill as well I think like there are wheelhouses right and like you yeah. can have multiple ones you can be both an actor and a writer but right. that's like twice as difficult I think it helps though to to be able to do both I mean I know we're the generation of like do all the things because yeah, nobody's do gonna everything fucking pay us. for yourself right yeah. and but like I mean I've had anybody to, I've had to do it where I had to like act and write and like I think it helps because you know how you want to be how you want to act but also sure. like you can see it if you have that ability to see the the writing as like editing almost like it helps like you I, just have to be able to think quickly about different things and that's not oh, always yeah. a thing people can do like i've had to i've written little skits and stuff for myself to do like the little um like audio logs and like that type of stuff and right. i know what i want out of those and i've done a few things where i do like voiceover or I play a character for somebody else's stuff. Right. And there's always a little bit of a disconnect between what, how I would do it and how it's done. Right. I think as, as a, when you're an actor, you have to sort of just accept that. Like you're, you're acting to bring someone else's vision to life. But if you're writing what you're acting as well, it feels a little bit more freeing. So, uh, it's interesting because Zane, Zane's dad was a Hollywood man. (laughs) Right. And he's Ooh. he's a good friend of mine, and I worked for him and shit. And uh, he always talks about Gary Busey would say, I know, I know Gary Busey is like a big fucking joke now, right? But back in the day, Gary Busey was like a legitimate, I mean, he was crazy back then, apparently. But yeah, before, he was, he, before the motorcycle accident. Right, before, he was, right. Yeah. He, but he, he always said, like, to, to uh, Fred, uh, you know, if you're not, like, afraid when you're acting then you're not doing it right <laughs> which is like brilliant because it's it's you're not in control like you're just completely out of control and it's interesting i think it's very interesting it's and it's true it's it's hard to relinquish that control as yeah well. for most people cannot do it. and that's what makes them bad at acting is because they don't they're sitting there thinking about i'm acting how do i uh, you know like the computer is stalling right in their mind yeah. instead of just being like yes and and i think that's where comedy comes in too and like knowing how to do that a little bit like you're just you're yes anding all the time as an actor and you're just seeing where you're gonna go like sometimes it's good sometimes it's not right Yes, and <laughs> now I was thinking about like um, being a guest on a podcast is like that where yeah. like I've thought about this after every podcast I've been on. Man, they could just rearrange my words to make right. me say anything at this point. Right, right. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Nobody wants to do that. You know, I'll never do that. Jeff. Yes, I do. <laughs> I trust you because you won't touch it. Because um, I'm just like it's done. <laughs> the uh I think that's something a lot of people don't know about this show is that we don't really edit it. It's like it's all off yeah, the cuff. Every now and then I'll make a cut if it sounds weird or we have a sometimes we have a technical problem I have to fucking fix, but like that doesn't really ever happen. So this is like an improv podcast, really. Yeah, we're just good at like sounding like I mean I don't, maybe it's terrible. Maybe people hate yeah, maybe it. it. I don't know. It sounds like shit. Who yeah, knows, who right? Knows? We don't uh, listen to this garbage. I don't fucking know. Um <laughs> Uh, apparently the translation uh from dante's la vida nuova isn't uh an actual translation it's just a reworking of the first part it's oh not, it's not actually written that way okay 
And uh, the Voyager version is apparently more touching as a standalone quote, so various websites use it instead of the actual quote. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's weird how stuff trickles down like that, doesn't it? It's like the Bible, right? Like, they just translate the shit out of it until now it doesn't even mean the thing that it means anymore. Yeah, uh, the parable mm. has been lost, I think. But, I mean, I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a Rhodes Bible scholar. Or a theologian. Yeah, I'm definitely not a theologian. <laughs> I don't even care that much for Theo Huxtable. <laughs> God, that was the worst joke I've ever made, I think. He, only because he was the worst part of that show. I don't know. There was one worse part of that. <laughs> well, now we know. I mean, now we know. But then we didn't. Um, you know, this episode surprised me in a lot of ways. I mean, n- not just because it's a Voyager episode that's actually really good, but I wasn't expecting to walk away from it. Um, having Like, a lot of Star Trek episodes bring up moral quandaries and philosophical questions that you can just sit around and think about forever but don't have a ton of basis on what you do in your day-to-day life. Right. I will never decide whether to interfere with a budding civilization or not. Maybe you already have. You didn't know it. Probably. I mean, (laughs) how much have we fucked over the rainforest by doing all the stuff? Oh, yeah, from that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I don't make that decision in my day-to-day life, but there's there might come a time when I have to let someone grieve for something they've gone through and right. really just be there. I mean, I've done that before. Right. And maybe I did it wrong those times. Maybe I tried to interfere in a way that, like, harmed that person. Like, I, I was... Maybe I was too short with them. Maybe I, like, didn't give them the time they needed with me. You know? Yeah, I, I maybe learned... Maybe I learned that from this episode. I learned through my various failed relationships that, like, um, <laughs> you can't always fix things and and just simply saying like hey that really sucks like that means more a lot of the times than trying to be like a hero or trying to fix a problem solution to a problem that doesn't have one. you can't there's not always a a solution sometimes the solution is just to be like yeah i I hear what you're saying you know yeah Uh, people want someone to listen to them right the thing that really like causes a problem so often is like when someone comes to you with a problem and they just kind of want you to listen to it yeah and uh or you go to someone else with a problem like that and they're like oh well you're actually full of shit right (laughs) (laughs) well it invalidates how you feel right which is not good because that's not because i mean like maybe i maybe i am full of shit maybe they are full of shit but that's not really the way to go that's not helping right yeah you can say like well maybe maybe this was where you should have done that or yeah it's a learning experience all around i think i think nobody has all the answers from every direction grief is difficult yeah and having that patience is extremely important yeah there's not a lot of that these days (laughs) no i mean we live in not to sound 100 percent boomer on you or anything but we live in an instant gratification type world yeah yeah and when someone comes to you with a real problem that has like real consequences and you expect it to be able to be solved in that conversation yeah or or you get like well you should have done this and it's like yeah but that wasn't the situation or i didn't do that also i didn't do that and it's the future i can't right i'm in now not then so 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to navigate around for anybody. And I feel yeah. like if you walk away from this episode of Voyager with any lesson, it's that um, patience is a virtue. Live, laugh, love, eat, pray, <laughs> love. That's that's our motto now. Eat, pray, love, live, laugh, eat, pray, love. In that order. Live, laugh, eat, pray, love. Live, laugh, eat, pray, love. <laughs> Can we get like a TM on that? It's just different enough from both. We'll get sued again. We'll get fucking shut down again because it's <laughs> it's not different enough. CBS is going to use your live, laugh, love on a t-shirt. <laughs> Just kid, just fuck kidding. You. This was a way that we could fuck you over, just like every company ever will yes. ever. We could fuck you over this way, and all, and also you'll feel like we're doing you a favor. Right, for we're a doing. While. Oh, it's the mob. It's the mob. Okay, I get it. It's the mob. I get it. Yeah, they're doing us a favor, not breaking our kneecaps. Yeah, I did you a favor, not pushing your grandma down the stairs. Thank you. Thank you, Thank mob. you Fat Tony. <laughs> hey, don't mention it, Joff. Thank you, thank you, Fingers McGee. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's me, Fingers McGee. <laughs> I give him the fingers. Cacao. Um, <laughs> so, um, is this the best this episode? Point, is this the best episode of Voyager that we watched? I, it's the best episode we've watched so far, for sure. Yeah, okay. I was because we end yeah. up watching a lot of garbage when it comes to Voyager. I don't even remember all the ones. Uh, catfish episode. That's that's the only one I remember. I, I run into this problem all the time when I'm, like, uh, looking through people's suggestions for what we should watch. You're biased against Voyager episodes. Well, yeah, but also, like, <laughs> did we watch this already? Yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> it definitely happens. One of these days an episode's gonna come out, we're gonna record it, we're gonna put it up, and it's the gonna, first comment is gonna be like, yeah, you, you did already this. did this episode. You did this already. <laughs> yeah. That'll be funny. Maybe we'll do that for April Fool's, and we'll just repost an episode <laughs> and name it part two. That's easy. That's an easy joke. That'd be really fun. We're gonna now do it. Now that you've said it, we can't do it. Nah, we're gonna do it. They won't. They're not listening to this. They're not even here anymore. <laughs> no. We stopped talking about the episode, and they pissed off. We started yeah. talking about our feelings, that grenade rolled in the room. Yeah, they were they, like, done. They were like, <laughs> jumping over couches to get out, hiding behind doors. Yeah. Um. <laughs> if it, so, if you've gone this far without watching this episode of Latent Image, like uh, you know what happens in it, so you know it's good. You should have watched it. Go back in your time machine and watch it. <laughs> yeah, go watch and it. Make better decisions next time, idiots. Make decisions like I would, Dumbo. <laughs> wow, Jesus. Undercut. Look, <laughs> M Class Podcasts. Gets by with donations from viewers like you. Mm-hmm. We need you. You can, if you really want to support our show and what we do and keep us making this show for a long time, you can head over to patreon.com slash mclasspodcast, where for as little as a dollar, you get access to a Discord podcast that we do on the side, like Jeff and Josh Shoot the Shit, where we talk about a myriad topics from across pop culture and our lives. Sometimes we just talk about, like, fun snow days we had. Yeah, the best days ever, you mean? <laughs> Fuck yes. God, I we wish do, it was still a thing. We do commentary tracks. We did one for Rumble in the Bronx, and we did one for the greatest movie of all time, The Beastmaster 2, <laughs> Through the Portal of Time. Uh, 
I don't know how we're going to top that, to be honest with you. I don't know. We got to do another one soon. Yeah. Um, what should we do? Oh, we want to do uh, Turbo Kid, right? Oh, fuck. I'd love that. Turbo Kid is actually a good movie. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> Rumble in the Bronx is actually a fun Yeah, movie. Rumble in the Bronx is great. Yeah. Um, the best part of being at a, only a $1 um, patron is that you get access to super high quality versions of all of the wallpapers from our episodes. And I hear you now at home, but Jeff, you only uploaded half of them, you fucking asshole. Wow. Well, uh, by the time this episode goes up, there'll be our patrons will have uh, all the rest of them uploaded because I already did that. Well, there, there you go, you fucks. What are you complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the time paradox going on here is confusing, but yeah. um, you gotta exist in all moments at once. Honestly, really, if you want to support us, you want to be a big dick McGee over here. You want to show off your wad. Uh, you yeah. can give us five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five, forty, forty-five, fifty, fifty-five, sixty, sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five, eighty. He's eight, auction man. Five or a hundred touchdown. <laughs> 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 Nobody's given us a hundred yet. Uh, actually, people did during the um, Trevor Project yeah. drive. We did. People gave us a hundred. Who's gonna be the first hundo? Yeah. Who's know. gonna be the first like li- like not high drive roller hundo? Yeah. Um, we've got some fifties. So like that's pretty you, good. If you've got a bigger dick than any of these guys out here, you got a bigger vagina. I guess is that sure. Cool? If you got a Brandon Braga loving vagina out there (laughs) and you want to show up everybody, you can donate any amount of money to us and all of that money goes into keeping us alive because it it's a significant portion of my income. I'm sure Josh's as well. It's nothing to sneeze at. It it definitely is uh, uh, very needed. So I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone out there who gives us even a dollar. It all yeah. helps. Like it's through your powers combined that we are Captain Planet. Captain Planet, yeah. <laughs> so thank oh, you. To all of no, you. that's that's the other one. <laughs> what? Like, oh, that's a uh, fucking uh, Lion-O. Yeah, Lion-O. Thundercats. Thundercats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same fucking concept, right? Are on the move. <laughs> Thundercats are loose. He-Man. I love that toy commercial. <laughs> Yo, my friend uh, Eric had all the Thundercats toys. They were Fuck. the shit. I they were had, radical. I had Lion-O, that's it. That's yeah, all. I didn't. He had the claw that turned into a sword. Like you put it on your hand and it had like Fuck. a sword in it. Yeah, it. Your was friend cool. was the coolest. Yeah, he was the only child, and he got all the toys. <laughs> Jesus. When video cameras first uh, started out, I don't know if you remember the uh, Crash Dummy toys. Remember those? Oh, yeah, from the, the Crash Test Dummies. Yeah, I Crash Test Dummies. Yeah, not the band, the Crash Test Dummies, but... No, the, they might have been. Toys we, for them. We would videotape the Crash Test toys crashing and slow-mo them and shit and make, like, super oh, cuts of, like, Crash Test Dummy crashes. See, I missed out on this shit, right? Like, yeah. I feel like I would be much more into film and making film and, like, acting and all this type of stuff if... Anyone I knew as a kid had a camera. Yeah, that helped. Also, we did like radio shows where we would like pretend to be radio guys and play well, music and shit. Now you are a, an internet radio yeah, guy. Yeah, it worked out great. I'm super rich and famous now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you'd like to contribute to our program, but you don't have any money, or if you do have money, but you still want to contribute even more. 
you can shoot us an email at mclassemail at gmail.com and be a part of our sister program, which is uh, not a sister program since we're both on it and we're the only hosts. Mm-hmm. M-Class Email. Yes. Do Twitter's it. A, Twitter's a good place if you follow at M-Class Podcasts. Yeah, if you don't, it sucks. Yeah, it's a shithole, I hear, if you don't follow M-Class Podcast, which is the greatest. It's a, more, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Is that the Star Wars thing? <laughs> I love Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars and I Jaws. Love Star Wars. <laughs> My favorite character is Jabba the Hutt. Um, <laughs> I don't like George Lucas. Am I doing it? Did I do it yeah. right? Okay. George Lucas ruined Star Wars. I'm sorry I ruined it. <laughs> I thought that we could uh, do some do some CGI on Jabba the Hutt. This is when five lightsabers come out of this guy's arms and he uses them like an airplane. <laughs> that's that's cool, George. Whatever, George, just stamp my paycheck, buddy. You got it. Yeah, you still got it, buddy. Keep that money rolling, yeah, George. Star Wars, we did it. <laughs> Look, uh, M Class Podcast loves you, and we love M Class Podcast. We love. All of you by the transitive property. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back in one week. Oh, actually, before you go. Oh shit, we're not done. No, I really wanted to thank uh, Vitizen for the use of his track "Out of oh, Space shit, Race" duh. for our theme song. How could we forget? I almost forgot to say that, but not because I almost forgot Vitizen, who I love. Yeah. Uh, because I'm doing the ending thing out of order, like an idiot, for seemingly no reason. I'm sorry. Hey man, life happens. It comes at you fast. If you're not ready, you'll miss it as a Ferris Bueller, right? Yeah, if you're not... Follow at <sighs> underscore Vetizen underscore on Twitter. He's he's the music man, and he lets the music play. Let the music play. Follow him on Spotify, too. It's just at Vetizen. Yeah, he's on Spotify. Uh, you can get his shit on Bandcamp. Yeah. Go get it especially our title track outer space race is it a rules. fucking jam I, that's the only part of the show i listen to <laughs> not even gonna lie i should make the clip for this episode just the theme song dude just fucking do it just fuck it we didn't say anything funny <laughs> i don't think we, we got real philosophical in this one so maybe it'll be more difficult it's to find a clip it's been happening anyway. lately we will be back in one week's time with more M-Class goodness. Thank you for tuning in, and bye-bye. Bye!
I'm mentally ill. 